Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about how to deal with recurring hamstring strains. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm here with the crew at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston answering your questions. Anything you want to talk about, PT, sports performance, anything like that, just let me know. Send um, your questions in on the website. Go to MikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link, and you'll see the form to ask more questions. Uh, let me see who's here today. No particular order. Let's see. We have Mike Skidudo, Kevin Coughlin, Lenny McCrina, Dan Pope, Dewesh Podell, and Dave Tilly here. Again, answering your questions. Len, who do we have for students? I think we got a new crew of students today. We do have a new crew of students. I feel like it's been a while. I miss everybody. Um, we have we have Colin Silva from UAB. Fun fact about Colin: he is a long snapper. So we're going to work on that the next few weeks to see if I how far he can snap a ball. Uh, long snapper in football. Uh, Claire Farley uh, from Tufts University. Um, she enjoys running like 30 miles a day. And Tiffany Walker from Baylor University, who is an athletic trainer who I love. And uh, we're going to have such a fun time over the next few weeks. So, yeah, welcome everyone. So- solid, solid crew. So, I feel like we have to have Colin long slap snap to Claire as she's running deep. Running. And then Tiffany can cut cover the hamstring strain afterwards. Right. Um, right. I think would be a, a great Perfect. a great combination. So that's awesome. So right. um I think that leads us into this week's question. So what do we have for a question today? Uh who's who's up? Who's gonna read the question today? Tiffany? That's nice. me. All right. So Jason from Los Angeles asks. With the start of the NFL season, I'm amazed at how many hamstring strains I see, especially reoccurring. Why do you think hamstring strains reoccur so much in these athletes? And what can we do better? Awesome, Tiffany. Thank you so much. Jason, uh, excellent question. I'm going to start off by saying this. It's the fall, right? That's when we're recording this at least, and it'll go live probably in the fall. Jason's saying this because he just watched week one in the NFL. We're already starting to see um, strains, but we're seeing this in every sport. It's not just football, right? Hamstring strains are the number one injury in Major League Baseball right now other than pitching injuries. So this isn't isolated to just the NFL, and it isn't isolated to just field sports either. Um, So something to kind of keep in mind as we kind of go through this answer here, but I thought it was real timely. So um, why don't we start talking? talking about you know these hamstring strains in general um i know a lot of us on this deal with a decent amount of hamstring strains in our practice who wants to start maybe talking about you know why we're seeing these hamstring strains and why we're seeing them recurring before we get to what we can do better kevin you want to jump in yeah um 
so yeah, like you just said, um, the strains are super prevalent. Um, it, if you look at like the research, it looks like with most running base sports, it leads the way in injuries. And then in terms of who's going on to recur, about a third of them end up getting a recurring hamstring strain. And so what the research seems to show with that is after they return to sport in the first two weeks, they're getting their next mm-hmm. hamstring strain. So it's obviously a problem and, and something um, that we need to do better from a rehab standpoint. But in terms of uh, why I feel like they're seeing so many early in the season, it does seem like we get a lot when the football season ramps up or when the baseball season ramps up. And I wonder if that's a problem of like acute chronic workload uh, issues. So potentially, I think even at the high levels, you see this and you definitely see this at the lower, you know, high school or college levels where um, in the off season, these kids might not be doing the proper volume of sprinting. Um, And then when the season starts, it's a whole new stress that they're not adapted to. You know, they could be doing a bunch of normal strengthening in the gym, but if they're not doing what the sport demands regularly, it's a, you know, once you get like 70, 80, 90% sprint speed, the EMG on the hamstring just becomes super high. And it's hard to replicate that unless you're doing it. Um, so, you know, in terms of why they're happening early in the season, I, I would guess it's that change for people. Um, and then especially if it's someone with a previous hamstring injury, um, you know, like other injuries, that seems to be a big risk factor for hamstring strains you know, maybe those people in particular need to be doing a lot of uh, preventative stuff in the off season and making sure their chronic workload is relatively high to challenge the hamstring. That's awesome, Kevin. And I, I really appreciate that perspective. I, I know for us with team sports, right. And maybe Jonah can jump in and talk about with the Red Sox a little bit here, but we, we've put a huge emphasis on that acute chronic workload ratio with, with our sprints. Right. And it's something that with technology, we're able to now monitor a little bit, but um, I think you're right. That's in season. I think a lot of these people were coming into the season ill-prepared. Right. And they they didn't have that that chronic workload build up and they'd have an immediate spike in their acute chronic workload ratios with, with sprints. And that's why we get all these early season type type things. So, um, Jonah, I don't know if you want to jump in from your perspective with the Red Sox. I know with us, with the White Sox, um, we have a we have kind of like a I don't want to say new, but like over the last several years, we we have a very regimented onboarding sprint progression that we do in the offseason. Um, how, how much focus are you guys as a team putting on maintaining this acute chronic workload and building up their chronic workload? Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I guess the main thing, because I wasn't there in the offseason at all, but the main thing I can say throughout the season is not just relying on games to make sure that people are getting running in and getting true sprinting in. Um, And then a big piece of that on the rehab side, even if a player's coming back not from a hamstring injury, um, but is truly building up their sprints and building up sprints in different ways for them. So um, not just doing like linear sprinting and um, baseball players doing base running because that's obviously going to be a way that we can strain hamstrings um, and doing curved running and different things like that to just make sure that we're actually getting ready for those demands of the sport um, and making that a big piece of rehab or training program for anybody regardless of whether or not they have that hamstring injury but then obviously that much more important for somebody who is coming back from a hamstring the the other piece in general related to it i think is just 
with the like strength training side of it for the hamstring, focusing on it in multiple ways. Like Nordics have obviously become a big thing. Everybody loves to talk about, um, but there's more ways to train the hamstring than just Nordics. And there's more ways to train the hamstring eccentrically than just Nordics. Um, and I think a lot of people tend to kind of be prone to those hamstring injuries are your guys who live in uh, lumbar extension. And oftentimes when they do Nordics, they end up just feeling it in their back or their calves. So finding ways to get people doing exercises where they're actually feeling it where we want to and using muscles we want to, whether it's trying to prevent the recurring injuries that Kevin was talking about or preparation for the season. I think we have a lot of the right ideas, but it's just, are we implementing properly? Awesome. That's great input there, Joan. I love that. Um, let me ask maybe a elephant in the room question, right? Um, you know, sports have been going on for centuries, right? Um, hamstring strains are on the rise. There's no doubt that the prevalence is going up and up and up over and over again uh, in multiple sports. Um, I, I think more so now than ever in the past, we are doing off-season training and preparing as best as we can, yet the injuries are worse. So maybe that's the elephant in the room question, but what is it that we're doing wrong in our preparation, right? I know we talked about a little acute chronic workload ratio, but it's more than that, right? There's in the eighties, nobody got ready for the major league baseball season like they're doing now. And they weren't straining their hamstrings as much as we are, right? Just as an example. So I don't know. Anybody have insight on that? Maybe, maybe Dan, I don't know if you have anything like Dave, but like, like what, what, what's different with athletes nowadays that they're more susceptible to this? Maybe I didn't, I didn't have anything in particular, Dave, if you want to go forward. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's uh, like Tim, Tim Gabbett had a pretty big paper that changed my mind a lot on hamstring strains, which is that the biggest predictor of, you know, hamstring strains was the amount of time spent in high speed running towards the end of their prep for uh, off season. And I think that that's like really lost on most people. It's kind of like maybe echoing what everyone's saying here, but like, you know, Tim's research and many others have shown that to build up to a really high chronic workload of doing multiple bouts of repeat high intensity sprints takes like six to eight weeks. And I think that when you combine the fact that all sports have become like, you know, bigger, faster, stronger at the highest level. So NFL, MLB, you have much bigger, much faster, much stronger requirements on the hamstring. And then the, the amount of time that they expect you to get ready in pro settings and college settings is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Like they want you to be reaching a higher level, what Tim calls the ceiling. Um, at a faster time length than ever before. And I feel like just in my last 10 years of working in high-level sports, you just see it getting compressed more. They want to get more games in, more preseason work, more high, high intensity. And we all know working with high-level athletes is that you can only ask an athlete to be at its tippy top 95 plus percent intensity for so long before they need a, a long bout of recovery. So if the demands are super high, right. And then you also have people that are not spending enough time in high speed running. I think that's kind of setting people up for disaster. And my last point on that is that there's no amount, especially at the pro level and the college level, there's zero amount of training that you can do in the gym that mimics live action one-on-one or two-on-one in the in what Tim calls the most demanding passes of play. So I don't know exactly position-wise, but say you take someone who does like, is it a running back maybe? This is my naivety, but someone who in practice <laughs> takes one every 40 seconds, one every 60 seconds, they're hitting games. And then in a game comes up, they have really good action. They're going play after play after play after play after play, cutting and pivoting, getting hit. That's like really fast passes of play. So Tim sets up those things in rugby to make sure you're doing exactly what the game's hardest, most awful moment might put on your hamstring or your body. And I feel like most people are not tapping into that in the practice stuff. So 
That's that's awesome. What about the concept? So I, I think you said that really well. Kevin also mentioned earlier, like EMG of the hamstrings is enormous when you start sprinting. I mean, are we bigger, faster, stronger, right? Is that a part of the issue too? Or are, are athletes are getting so much stronger and so much more powerful that sprinting is just is is just more stressed than it used to be? Like they're faster, they're they're more powerful. Is that part of it? And is that something that can be can can we can we combat that a little bit with this chronic workload buildup? Anybody have any thoughts? Yeah, Dan. I was I was going to say I didn't, I think that sometimes we have to have a little bit of grace just because we feel like we can just prevent everything, and I think that's just oftentimes unreasonable, right? We kind of expect bodies to be able to handle extreme you know amounts of running, speed of running, and just never get hurt. And I think that is just unreasonable for bodies to be able to handle. Can we reduce these? Obviously, yes. But the other part is that I think we need to give ourselves a bit of grace just to realize what we're throwing on the body is probably more than is able to handle, right? That's all I have <laughs> well, to say, though. Well, to your point, too, we're, we're always working at – we're trying to get peak outcomes at all times, right? So we, we want to get the maximum out of our body. When we do that, we're, we're flirting with that edge, right, that – that you know, tippity top where where we've done too much. So that's a good point, Dan. But uh, Dewesh, what do you think? Yeah, the, the one thing that comes to my mind is, is are we maybe ignoring the recovery phase? Um, you know, I think especially in high level sports now, training is pretty intense. Games are obviously intense. Off season preparation is really intense. Do we ever have any bit of downtime where you know the hamstring maybe just gets a little bit of rest? Like I I, I get the you know, the need for building up that chronic workload. But that chronic workload probably doesn't need to be high all year round. You know what I mean? Like um, like Dave mentioned, like the six to eight weeks is probably the time it takes for us to prepare um, and build up that you know, chronic workload. But we need 52 weeks of super high chronic workload on the handshake. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of where my head goes. That's a good point. Uh, Jonah, what else? Uh, kind of summing up one thing that Dave said and applying it in the football season. Yes, athletes are bigger, faster, stronger. And also, from what I can tell, they're playing less and less preseason games. Like, I know they play three now instead of four. And I feel like players themselves are playing way less snaps. And I bet in practice, where hopefully they're building up their workloads, but say a running back does break open, where in a game they would go for 60 yards. In practice, I question whether or not they actually run hard for their 60 yards or they kind of just scamper out of bounds. So those toughest plays, the ones where they are most susceptible, I do wonder if in, as we're trying to build up their workloads, if they're just not doing it nearly at the intensity that they would within a game. And then we see week one or we see that last preseason game where a guy's fighting for the top spot in a depth chart or whatever it is. And it's really their first time actually going at a hundred percent multiple plays in a row. Um, and especially because they are so much more powerful now, that combo of more power and faster with less buildup, um, does seem like a bit of a recipe for disaster. Awesome. Yeah. Let, that seg- that, that segues, well, Jonah's comment segues well into what I was going to say was, it seems like the injuries happen early in the season, right? Um, in general, base, baseball, April, May. Uh, laying out a ball to first base, NFL, um, a good chunk of the ACLs. The ACLs happen all season long, don't get me wrong, but you're going to see them early on more so. And I think it's – I don't know if it is a preparation. They're prepared. Trust me. Don't get me wrong. They're prepared. But is it that they don't – they're not used to that 
new acute spike in workload that they get week one, the first month of the season, um, where there maybe guys are still fighting for positions or they have, they've been in an off season for so long and there's just uh, this extra amount of energy that they have that slowly dissipates as the season goes on. Guys are just not as fast probably uh, week 15 or in August in the Texas Rangers organization when it's 98 degrees out than they are week one or in uh, April, May of a baseball season. And so I think just that, the, yes, they're trained, they're prepared. Maybe we are doing a disservice by not having them play as much in preseason, having them and, and playing for three hours in a football game in September in Kansas City, where it could be 100 degrees or in Miami. Um, you know, your body is just going to get beat down from all that. And so this, the early part of the season is when we see most of the injuries statistically. Yeah. Uh, Mike, did you have something to add to? Uh, I, I was just going to kind of touch on it from a slightly different standpoint. Um, you know, looking at uh, with a previous hamstring strain, I think uh, these athletes also suffer like neuromuscular control. They have deficits in neuromuscular control. So they're utilizing their hamstrings in a slightly different way. And it seems like according to at least one study that they're actually using their hamstrings at higher EMG and earlier in a single leg stance um, exercise. So there seems to be this neuromuscular component that may get un- overlooked in our rehab. Uh, so for example, if we put a lot of uh, emphasis on strength training, I think that's obviously needed, um, but maybe more core trunk neuromuscular control, more balanced exercises, you know, maybe we can need to adjust our rehab a little bit to incorporate uh, more of a neuromuscular challenge to kind of help with when they get back on the field, um, you know, how they're utilizing their hamstrings during the task. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, Mike, because I think that, that kind of gets in. And I think that's a good wrap up of, of I think we answered well, what can we do better through these questions. I'm glad you brought that up. So um, I did a podcast recently with Holly Silvers of um, uh, on the Sports PT podcast a little bit. And she talked about this a little bit. She's involved quite a bit in in soccer um, and the NFL task force for hamstring strains. And, and she brought that up, Mike, exactly like that. Essentially, she said sometimes people are strong, but they're when we look at EMG during their activities, they're just not using their hamstring the way they're supposed to. Right. So I, I think that's right. So maybe wrapping it up real quick. I think we answered the question pretty thoroughly, to be honest with you. It sounds like we're building bigger engines in the off season, right? But maybe we're not getting that acute chronic workload ratio built up, right? To be able to, to, um, to handle those forces a little bit more appropriately, especially earlier in the season when we have that acute workload. So what can we do? I mean, I think we have better onboarding into the season, right? Making sure that we're building up and ramping up the, uh, the, the intensity of their sprint work, right? Increasing their capacity capacity with hamstrings like eccentrically like Jonah said in, in various outputs I think is the way to do it as well but then also paying attention to neuromuscular so um, you know I think I think if you hit it from all those angles like everybody kind of mentioned I think you're going to be a lot more successful with hamstrings hopefully getting back so um, awesome so uh, great question Jason thanks so much for submitting that to the podcast we really appreciate it if you have a question like that head to micronald.com click on that podcast link and fill out the form to ask us a question and we will see you on the next episode thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to mikerinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at mikerinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. 
And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.